Hello, my name is Rivi Frankel. Welcome to Torah Imecha Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we will be studying Sefer Zechariah, Perak Yud. Yesterday, chapter 9 described a time when there would be no war or instruments of war in Israel. Hashem would act as the warrior for the Jewish people and destroy their enemies, creating almost a bubble, if you will, around Jerusalem and the Jewish people. The chapter ended with the imagery of agricultural bounty of young people enjoying the land of Israel and all of her fruits. It is important to remember that in the second section of Zechariah, chapters 9 to 14, the topics are not necessarily talked about in a chronological order. We see that there is almost a stream of consciousness, and sometimes that means that a later chapter might contradict an earlier chapter in terms of the imagery that's used. We see that chapter 10 begins with a call from Zechariah to the people to ask Hashem for rain. Sha'alu mehashem matar be'et malkosh. Hashem ose chazizim umatar geshem yitain lahem. Le'ish esev basadeh. Ask Hashem for rain in the late seasons of the rain. Is it Hashem who causes there to be storms? And he will provide the rain for them, for the grass, each person in their field. I don't know if it's actually true, but they say that the Eskimos have hundreds of words for the word snow. And while not quite that many, we definitely see that Hebrew, especially biblical Hebrew, has many words for different kinds of rain, as we saw in Pasuk Aleph, verse number one. One of the unique aspects of Israel is its agricultural system, specifically that it's dependent on the rain. This is in direct contrast to Egypt, which relies on the Nile for its water. In Egypt, they would create irrigation tunnels that would lead the water to the farms. They never had to wonder or worry if they wouldn't be able to grow crops one year, because the Nile was always plentiful. While one might think that reliance on the rain is a sign of God's anger or lack of caring about Israel, especially when looking at Egypt, who always has water, this is in fact really the opposite. Needing rain, which is controlled by God, reinforces the relationship between the Jewish people and Hashem. We see in Breshit, in the beginning of creation, that while we're told that God creates the grass and the trees, we see just a chapter later that the trees and the grass haven't actually sprouted until man comes into the world, because then man is able to pray. And when man is able to pray for rain, that's when we see the greenery develop, that's when we see the food come, because there was a relationship between God and man. When we are acting in accordance with God's will, rain showers its abundance on Israel and her people. But when the opposite is true, there is drought and famine. Even today we see that when Israel faces weeks and weeks of its rainy season, which is really between Sukkot and Passover, there will be calls from the chief rabbi as well as other spiritual leaders for people to pray at the Kotel together, even for people to fast, as Israel desperately needs rain. Zechariah highlights rain as a symbol of God's direct connection to the Jewish people. It is Hashem who causes storms and Hashem who fills the fields with water. 
This is in direct contrast to Pasuk Vet, verse 2. Ki ha-trafim divru oven, v'kosmim chazu sheker, v'chalamot ha-shav yedabru hevel, yenachimu. Al kein nasu kemotzon ya'anu ki ein ro'eh. The trafim, types of idols that we see also in the story with Rachel and, and Yaakov, spoke delusions. And the omens predicted falsely. The dreamers said empty words, they spoke lies, and consoled with illusions. That is why my people have strayed. Like a flock, they suffer for a lack of a shepherd. Idols are worthless, Zechariah tells us, and the people stray because they lack good leaders. These leaders are referred to as shepherds and the Jewish people's sheep. This will be a motif that carries through to tomorrow's chapter, chapter 11, as well. Zechariah is telling the people, when you turn to Hashem, you see real results. You see that he controls the nature and the elements and that he wants a relationship with you. Shuvu, return to him and he will return to you. As opposed to idols where you are putting your false and your empty claims. But it's not the Jewish people who are necessarily faulted in this pasuk, but rather the leaders or the lack thereof. Pasuk Gimel verse 3 my anger is really against the shepherds, Hashem says. And so what do we see? That it's Beit Yehuda, the house of Yehuda, that will take charge in this situation. Who is Beit Yehuda? Who is the house Yehuda? Obviously, that's David Melech. Maybe in this situation, it's Zerubbabel, who we see is not mentioned by name. And perhaps we're talking about the final Geula, the final redemption, and we're talking about Mashiach ben David, the final leader of the Jewish people. As opposed to chapter 9, where Hashem would fight the Jewish people's battles, here we see that Hashem will raise military heroes from within the people themselves. Verses 4 through 7 describe the specific victories of the Jewish people. If we take a look at verse 6, we see something specific. I will give victory or I will make strong the house of Yehuda and I will save or I will triumph to the house of Yosef. Pasuk Zion, we also see specific mention to specific sections or sectors of Bnei Yisrael. And the Ephraim will be like warriors. And their hearts will will be glad like wine. And the children shall see it and rejoice. They shall exult in Hashem. Here we see the specific mention of both the sons of Rachel and the sons of Leah. Yosef, Ephraim, being descendants from Rachel, Yehuda being the son of Leah. Both of them are significant in the battle. This goes back to a theme that we saw the commentators reflecting on yesterday as they discussed who the man on the donkey was and from what time period he came. We see a split between the children of Rachel and Leah very early on in their history. Of course, we have Yosef, the beloved son of Rachel, being sold by his brothers, the sons of Leah. But we continue to see this division in the book of Shoftim, when at the end of the book, a civil war between Binyamin and the rest of the tribe takes place with the anointing of David from Yehuda, the son of Leah, after Shaul from Benjamin, the son of Rachel, has been displaced. 
When Yirmiyahu prophesizes, he makes sure to mention the strength of Ephraim, trying to appease the children of Yosef and Rachel to make peace with Yehudah, their literal brother from a different mother. Even in the temple, now we have two leaders from Leah, a Kohen Gadol and a governor who hopes to turn king. So in yesterday's parak, the commentators referred to Mashiach ben Yosef, a leader that will arrive from the sons of Rachel to pave way in the coming of Mashiach ben David in a significant manner. But here Zechariah makes specific mention to Yosef and Ephraim. His prophecy is one for all of the Jewish people, creating a vision for a time when all the sons of Yaakov, both those of Rachel and those of Leah, will be at peace, not just with the world around them, but important, more importantly, with each other. The chapter continues as Zechariah describes the ingathering of the exiles. Pasuk Chet through Yud, verses 8 through 10. Eshrekalahem ve'akapseim ki petitim ve'ravu kimoravu. I will whistle to them and gather them in, for I will redeem them, and they shall become greater and greater in number. For though I put them amongst the nations all spread out, in distant places they remember me. They shall escape with their children and shall return. And here again we see that element of vishavu. If you return to me, I will return to you. Hashem says that the Jewish people remembered him even though they were in faraway places. And we see this coming true today, whether that's with the story of the Ethiopian Jews coming home, the Bnei Menashe Jews coming home, Jews from all over the world, these little pockets of communities that for thousands of years, though they were separated from the rest of Bnei Yisrael, are hearing the whistles and starting to return to Hashem and come home. And I'll bring them back from the land of Egypt, and I will gather them from Assyria, and I will bring them to the lands of Gilad and Lebanon, and even then they shall not suffice for them. We're seeing here this need to stretch the land of Israel to be able to hold all of the Jewish people to borders, to the north and to the east. This too is a theme that we will see in the last chapter of Zechariah, when Jerusalem will physically be split apart in order to accommodate the Kedushah that is brought into Yerushalayim. And then Zechariah ends not just with the destruction of the Jewish people's enemies, but the exalting of the Jewish people themselves. And in these psukim, Zechariah uses imagery of water where the Nile will dry up, going back to our original introduction about rain and relying on God. The Radak asks on this final Pasuk, what time period is Zechariah referring to? And his answer, he says, it must be talking about the times of Mashiach, because in the times of the Second Temple, we did not see peace between brother, between our nation. May we be motivated by the beautiful imagery from Zechariah in this chapter to create that peace between brothers and sisters. And may we finally have a time where our people are united as one. Thank you for studying together. Li'iloi Nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka, but Alexander Sunder.